Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. Happy Tuesday, Pelicans and Saints fans. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson, filling in for Sean Kelly, who has the day off. Well, Pelicans took care of business last night in Minnesota, beating the Timberwolves 188, but unfortunately, the Blazers did not help us out as the Thunder win, which means tomorrow is a win-and-you're-in scenario for the Pelicans against the defending champion, San Antonio Spurs. Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com will be on to talk about tomorrow night's crucial game, and we'll also have Mark Kestesher from ESPN Radio on to talk NBA hoops. ESPN Radio will be here tomorrow to broadcast the game, but no national television for one of the most important games tomorrow around the league. Hmm, interesting. Oh, well. We'll need all Pelicans fans tomorrow to pack the Smoothie King Center, wear some red, and help cheer on this team right into the playoffs. It's a very, very big game. Spurs are still battling for a two-seed in the West. Doesn't look like they'll rest their players. It's okay, though. I'm confident this Pelicans team can beat a healthy Spurs team. They have won 11 in a row, but still, um, Pelicans play well at home and will hopefully do so again tomorrow night. Pelicans improved to 44 and 37 on this season. It wasn't a pretty win, but they did get one, which was most important. And they improved their win total 10 games dating back to last year, where they finished 34 and 48. Anthony Davis led the way with 24 points, 11 rebounds, and six blocks. Eric Gordon and Tyreek Evans both contributed 22 points, but other than that, it it wasn't that great. Again, I will just say it wasn't pretty, but again, the Timberwolves, who had more inactive people, almost inactive ones on the roster. Um, they didn't play that well either. So Pelicans, a winner over the Timberwolves, 100-88. Here's head coach Monty Williams after the game with Sean Kelly. Congratulations on the win. What will you take away from this one? Just that, the win. Um, it's a tough back-to-back. You play in Houston, a tough emotional game, and fly here two and a half hours later, no time difference, and uh, get up and you know play that kind of defense against a pretty uh, hungry team. Uh, we were talking to our guys about um, Wiggins and, and Levine. Levine dropped 37 on Golden State the other day, and, and uh, Wiggins has been ripping everybody up, and we did a pretty good job on, on those guys defensively. But, um, you know, we can take away the fact that we won on the road. We put ourselves in a, 
a great position. And uh, we get a chance to go home and play one game to uh, go to the playoffs. It's, it's, it's quite interesting, isn't it? That it's come down to this one <laughs> yeah. last game, Coach. Um, is there any momentum gained from this night, or does Wednesday become an animal all itself? I think both. I think it is an animal, but at the same time, um, we've been in so many emotional games this year. Um, I don't think our guys will be phased in a negative way. I think they'll have some nerves, and I told them they got to embrace it. Um, this is part of going to the next step as a team and as an individual. And um, you can't run from it. Um, we're going to, to play the champs um, on our home floor. Um, our crowd should be crazy, and our guys should have a good time with it. At the same time, um, we know we got to beat the champs to get there. The waiting won't be easy, Coach. That's a <laughs> long time, it seems, between this one and yeah. the one you have Wednesday. Yeah, it's, a, um, it's fun and nerve-wracking. Um, I'm sure my wife will be um, getting out of my way and my kids will be uh, asking, why is daddy's face in that computer all night looking at film? But um, this is the time that um, we've worked for this, you know, after stripping our program down and rebuilding it. And this is a step for us. Um, we want to embrace this thing and try to get through it. And, you know, we get a chance to do it on our home floor. Any red flags or loose ends that maybe you saw this weekend that you need to clean up before Wednesday? Yeah, we, we have a lot of things we're going to talk about tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's a typical off day for us, but we're going to come in and watch film and um, try to rectify some things that um, apply to the Spurs and you know try to do everything we can to give our, our guys a chance to succeed and um, let the chips fall. As I mentioned, Tyreek Evans had 22 points on 8 of 14 shooting. He spoke to Sean and J.D. right after the Pelicans win. Tyreek, congratulations as you guys take care of business here tonight in Minnesota. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. What was, um, what was the push for you all? Was it late first half, or did you have to find something a little more in the second half to be able to cruise to the win tonight? Uh, we knew they were going to play hard. They play um, eight guys. You know, we know, you know they, they got a rhythm. They, they know how to play. They just know how to go. So they, we just had to stay on them, you know, do the whole night, 48 minutes, and play our basketball. And I think we did a good job. Tyreek, focus is, is uh, laser-like for you guys right now. Uh, is this enough to bounce back from last night's loss and get set for what is going to be a thriller on Wednesday? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we, we know we got to be ready for that game because you know, they've been together for a long time, won championship together. You know, they know how to play together. They're going to come in on the road, you know, and uh, play their basketball. So we got to be be on our P's and Q to have a great game to get that win. Well, Tyreek, what kind of mentality do you guys take into this game, winning you're in, essentially? Uh, tonight game? Yeah, no, into into Wednesday's game against San Antonio. Now you're still tied with Oklahoma City, so you win and you're in. Uh, we just got to go out there and play, man, our basketball. You know, uh, no let-ups. You know, uh, we know they're a team that move the ball. You know, they know their players. You know, so um, they got to be a perfect game for us to win, you know, to get in the playoffs. Tyreek, are you surprised that it's come down to this, this last game, or is this what you and your teammates expected it might be like? Yeah, we know it's going to come down to the wire. Uh, you know, we put ourselves in this position, so... You know, we can't let up. You know, we, we got we to gotta go into that game, you know, and be ready to fight. You know, it's not going to be easy. They're not going to give us nothing. So we got to just go out there and be ready. Well, look, you've had 26 wins or, excuse me, 27 wins at home. I guess if you're going to have to play that game, it might as well be at the Smoothie King Center. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, we had our home court and our fans are going to be there to back us up. Uh, you know, like I said, we just got to be ready. You know, everybody got to be ready to play. You know, from our first year to our second year, so uh, it's going to be a tough match for us, but we got to get it done. You know, Tyreek, you guys have had success against San Antonio this season. What have you done when you've been successful against them? 
Uh, we just played together, you know, made the extra pass. You know, um, we know they're going to execute well and hit shots. You know, when they hit big shots and they make a run, uh, you know, don't let up. You know, don't hang our heads. You know, we just got to keep running our running our stuff and our execution, and uh, hopefully we get good shots and make shots, and we'll be good. Nice game tonight, Tyreek, 22-5. and five. I know you'll take it. You'll take the win more than anything else. As always, we appreciate it. Thanks, appreciate it. You can watch all the postgame interviews from last night on Pelicans.com. It's going to be a crazy finish to the NBA season these last couple of days. Only two seeds are locked in in the East, Hawks at the number one and Cavs at the two, and only three seeds are locked in in the West, Warriors at number one, Blazers at number four, and the Mavericks at number seven. There's not one playoff matchup that is locked in as well in the NBA, not one which is pretty crazy going into the last couple of days. I know it's going to be nerve-wracking tomorrow watching the Pelicans, but it's also going to be a very exciting couple of days around the league. Of course, we can't forget about the NFL draft that is coming up. We continue our draft series today with the Redskins, who pick number five. Rich Tandler from CSN Washington will come on to tell us what the Redskins might do at five. This area in the draft, two through six, could be very interesting with certain teams moving up or down which could have a major impact on what the Saints might do at 13. So that's a big reason why we are doing this, and we hope that you are finding these previews very useful. With number two, Marcus Mariota could be there, but he also could uh, be traded, or as far as teams trading up to get him, or he could drop. Um, just so much going on, so we figured this would be a good time to kind of get an understanding of what these teams might do and leading up to the Saints at number 13. We'll also do the Carolina Panthers at some point, even though they're outside of the top 13 to make sure we cover everyone in the NFC South. So a busy show today. Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com, Mark Kessischer from ESPN Radio, and Rich Chandler from CSN Washington. We'll kick things off with Mr. Eikenhofer next on the Black and Blue Report. It's the final regular season home game for your New Orleans Pelicans. So join us this Wednesday at 7 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center as the San Antonio Spurs face the Pelicans in a Southwest Division showdown. Pelicans Fest starts at 5.30 with music, interactive games, and appearances by Pierre and the Pelicans dance team. The first 10,000 fans receive a team poster courtesy of Smoothie King. Tickets start as low as $15. So call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. Racing fans, you won't want to miss the Professional Drag Racers Association Cajun Nationals Pro Mod at Thunder Road Raceway Park in Gilliam, Louisiana, just outside of Shreveport. This exciting event runs April 30th through May 2nd. For more information, visit www.racetrrp.com. And while in town, enjoy great gaming action, shopping, food, and nightlife. For additional things to see and do, visit Shreveport-Bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Normally Tuesdays are not a day I look forward to, but when Jim Eikenhofer comes on the Black and Blue Report, it becomes my favorite day of the week. Just returning from the Pelicans two-game road trip, Jim joins me now from his Metairie Chateau. Jim, welcome back to the Big Easy, my friend. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for welcoming me back. It's, it's great to be here. I know it's miserable and raining outside, but, you know, it's always a great Tuesday when I get to come on the show. It is raining, Jim, but you bring the sunshine to the show. That's for sure. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no problem. Well, Jim, here we are. One game to go, and it's a pretty simple explanation of the Pelicans playoff scenario. Win, and you're in. Pretty exciting time to be a Pelicans fan, wouldn't you say? Definitely is. I mean, just talking to people and, and hearing different people's responses on Twitter in particular last night, I think 
everybody is looking forward to this game Wednesday. I feel like people in general feel like it it might be one of the biggest games that the the team has has played since it's been here in New Orleans going back to 2002. Um it's de- if it's not the biggest, it's definitely in the top tier. It's not very often that you get game 82 is a situation where you basically need to win to keep your season going. I mean, throughout the whole NBA, it doesn't happen very often, and this will be the first time that it's ever happened to uh, this team in New Orleans. So, I mean, yeah, it's Wednesday should be really exciting and looking forward to uh, a really good atmosphere in the uh, in the arena. Yeah, it should be a good one for sure, and I do want to get to the game tomorrow. I'll get to that in just a few moments. But I also want to put the season in perspective a little bit. You know, win or lose tomorrow, this team will have – 44 wins no matter what is it 44 yeah 44 wins no matter what that's a 10 game improvement from last season just what's been your take on this season as far as growth from certain players whether it's Anthony Davis whether it's Eric Gordon when he's been playing or Tyreek Evans or or any of the guys just the fact that this team has improved 10 games since last year yeah I mean I think it's been a good step I think obviously if you make the playoffs you have a really tangible thing to point to that says like you know look at look at what they accomplished in a conference where there's so many good teams and frankly at the beginning of the season I, I would say more people pick them to not make the playoffs than make it even though I think it was you know they were projected maybe to be the ninth team or the tenth team but um I mean I think the the best part is about the season overall when you look at it from a big picture standpoint is like you said Anthony Davis took another huge step towards being one of the best. Um, Eric Gordon was was mostly healthy. I know he had a shoulder injury in there that was frustrating, but um, he played pro- some of his best basketball since he's been here. I think Tyreek has improved a lot in a lot of different areas, and I think next season it'll be another situation where the coaches will be looking for you know even more consistency and more improvement. He's an unbelievable talent. Um, I mean, the the veteran pickups that they made during the season were 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 great and made a huge difference. And um, I mean, some of the other guys really, it was a matter of injuries that kind of really uh, put a damper on um, the seasons of Drew Holiday and Ryan Anderson. But I mean, of the guys that have have been healthy and played, I think you've seen a lot of progress. And I think it just it definitely bodes well for next season, you know, regardless of what happens in the next, you know, day. Absolutely, Jim. I completely agree with you. And um, going into April, the Pelicans are down, I think, around two and a half to three games. Going on that West Coast trip that had Sacramento, it had, I believe it was the Lakers. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. And Portland. You know, Lakers, Sacramento, Portland, and it was a big trip. Um, it seems like this team's been a little more focused on the road and has been taking care of business a lot more on the road, given some of these teams are sub 500 teams, but nonetheless, the Pelicans have struggled on the road, no matter what was, no matter what team was the opponent. So would you say this team's mindset and attitude has changed a little bit this last month, which has been huge as far as getting them closer and closer to the playoffs? Yeah, I think there's been a big difference in terms of there's been, they've done a much better job of, of taking care of the, of the opponents that they, that they should be, um, in the earlier part of the season, you had a lot, you had quite a few losses to teams that now granted Anthony Davis missed some of these games, but they lost to New York on the road. They lost to Philadelphia on the road and teams like that. I feel like since they picked up, um, the veterans, namely Quincy 
uh, Dante Cunningham and Norris Cole, that's one of the big reasons they've been so much better on the road is just having that veteran um, experience and more depth. And I think those guys definitely help the team um, go into some of these situations on the road with the right approach and the right, you know, mentality to be able to go into. I mean, last night was a great example. Everyone thinks you're going to win, but you can't go into a game like that with that men, that uh, attitude. And um, I think that they they definitely have been, you know, just really focused in a lot of these road games. I think really almost all the road games they've lost lately have been against, you know, top-tier teams. So you've seen a, a drastic difference between what's happened lately and what happened earlier in the season. Absolutely. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about this team as far as being healthy. Besides Drew Holiday sitting out last night for precautionary reasons, this Pelicans team has had a healthy roster since fr- Friday. In those games, how has the team looked, and will it take some time for them to all adjust with one, one another because they haven't played with each other that long? Yeah, I think – I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it's a huge adjustment only because um, with with the depth that they have now, I think Monty has the luxury – of being able to kind of slide Drew and Ryan in in a situation that's going to help the team in the best possible way. It's if I think if Drew had come back and immediately was playing like 30, 35 minutes, it would have been a huge adjustment because there would have been a big domino effect in terms of how it affected other guys, um, especially Tyreek and, and um, Eric Gordon. And <clears throat> Ryan's kind of the same way. I feel like if he has games where he plays well, he's going to play more minutes, but he's had some games recently where he hasn't shot well and his minutes have been, you know, somewhat limited. So it doesn't, if, if they can, I think it's really kind of almost like um, gravy with those guys. If they play well, they'll get more minutes and they'll, and you can benefit from everything that they're giving you. If they don't play well, there's enough other guys in the mix and, and a rotation that was in place before they came back that you can kind of kind of lean on that. And so I like what Ryan Anderson has been saying lately, though, Andrew, that, uh, you know, they're just so happy to be back um, on the court and they just want to be able to kind of provide whatever they can. And I think both guys look at it like it's not an ideal situation, obviously, to be jumping back in with this much at stake um, in terms of the playoff race. But, I mean, they're just happy to do whatever – they can and if if it if it is a situation where they don't play a lot of minutes because of you know the circumstances of that game they're totally fine with that they're just happy to be able to help in whatever way they can and we're happy to have them back drew in uh two games his first game against phoenix was uh not great with the numbers but i thought he contributed a lot for the pelicans especially on defense against houston he puts up 17 points in just 15 minutes what have you seen from drew in his last two games what what have you liked about um, him being back after missing so many games due to injury? Yeah, the Houston game was, was really impressive. I thought I heard a few people say this, and I totally agreed that he looked like the uh, Drew Holiday that made the All-Star game a couple of years ago. I mean, he just had a lot of nice bounce to him. He was in a really good rhythm. And, um, I mean, it was it was kind of unexpected. I mean, he's been out for so long that you don't think that he's going to be able to do that in his second game back from injury. Um, the game before that, I think the, the Phoenix game was really more of what you would think that he'll be able to bring to a team with him playing only 15 minutes or so per game. Um, he's, he was pressuring guys. He was getting up on the ball. I remember one time he picked up a foul and he was really frustrated 
but he was just all over one of the one of Phoenix's ball handlers right around the half court stripe. So, I mean that it's just uh, either way if he's if he's given you the defense that he gave you in the Phoenix game, or he's given you the offense and the the just the the flow that he was in against Houston. I mean either way, I think it's a it's a big help. And basically, he's he's almost like the ninth or tenth man. So, I mean, going forward, if they make the playoffs, it's 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 quite a luxury to have a guy that's kind of that deep into your rotation, to that has the ability that he has on both ends of the floor. Yeah, absolutely. Also, he's been on a minute restriction, about 15 minutes per game in his first two games. With it tomorrow being such a huge game for the Pelicans, do you see Monty playing him more minutes, or is this something that he will stay at 15 minutes at least for right now? I'm not sure, but I think I, I think he, given that he was in, a, they were in a big situation last night, and they still sat Drew out. I think Monty said a couple times, like, you know, it's, it's, this is obviously an important game, but it's not as important as being um, careful about Drew's long-term health. Um, he's going to be on, the, he's going to be back next season. So, I mean, I think that's probably foremost right now, but. Monty kind of also jokingly said that if, because someone asked him, you know, how is there any situation where Drew's minutes go up? And Monty said, yeah, uh, all I have to do is just leave him in the game and not take him out. So I mean that that's possible too, but I don't think he'll I don't think he'll go much higher than 15. I mean, maybe if there's circumstances dictate it, he could get into the maybe low 20s. But um, but yeah, I don't think they're gonna do too much more than that, knowing the situation of. Uh, in the circumstances of how long he was out and just um, not wanting to put too much pressure on him physically. Okay, good stuff there. Jim, I'm pretty sure the Spurs are going to play all their guys, and as much as I want to win, I would rather beat a fully healthy Spurs team because I think it's a game that gets you ready for the playoffs, and they're going to be playing fully healthy Warriors team, a very good Warriors team, and the Spurs are also one of the hottest teams in the league right now. What will what will the Pelicans have to do tomorrow to beat the Spurs and reach the playoffs? Because they've won, I believe it's 11 in a row, and uh, they're fighting for seeding. They could be as low as a sixth seed tomorrow after if they lose, or they can be as high as the two and continue to be the two if they win. So what are some things the Pelicans will have to do tomorrow to beat a really good Spurs team? I think one of the biggest things they have to always do against the Spurs is be really disciplined on defense and um, also not commit turnovers. It seems like, especially in the game's, in San Antonio, but also here, when the, the when you play the Spurs and you you start committing turnovers, they always turn that into points. They when they get man advantages going the other way, they get open threes, and a lot of times they get everything, which has led to some of the one-sided losses that the Pelicans have had on the road against them. It seems like the games here have always been competitive, but um, I think that's probably one of the biggest things they need to do is just take care of the ball and just make sure they're on top of everything defensively, they're in the right spots, and that they don't allow the Spurs to you know, use that some of the motion that they have on offense to get a lot of easy baskets because that's pretty much their bread and butter and a lot of times how they kill teams. Good stuff. It should be very interesting tomorrow. Jim, I can offer from Pelicans.com as it's a win and you're in for the Pelicans. It's also a big game for the Spurs and hope to see everyone out at the Smoothie King Center. That's Jim Eichenhofer again from Pelicans.com. Jim, try to get some rest today. Maybe hit the sauna in your huge chateau, and I'll see you tomorrow at the Smoothie King Center, my friend. All right, Daniel. Looking forward to uh, to a big game tomorrow. 
Absolutely. When we come back, Mark Kestesher from ESPN Radio will talk more hoops on this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. We continue our basketball talk on this Tuesday. Joining me now from ESPN Radio is Mark Kestesher. Mark, glad to have you on today. Hey, it's great to be on, and it's great to uh, have these uh, last couple of day scenarios in the NBA. Who would have thought the regular season would be so exciting, right? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, two days left to go, like you mentioned, and not too many playoff matchups are locked up in either conference. Have you seen this kind of uncertainty so late in the season before, Mark? You know, um, I'm trying to remember back to the last time we've had this many teams. I mean, usually you're going to have, you know, the race for the last couple of seeds. That's not uncommon. But to have what's going on uh, at the top of the West and specifically in the Southwest Division with San Antonio and Houston and and Memphis and to see teams that could go, you know, all the way from two seed and not having to face Golden State until, you know, the conference finals to a six seed where you'd be on the road uh, to start the playoffs. Um, that's what makes it, uh, in, I guess, doubly intriguing. Mark, you have all five teams in the Southwest Division that couldn't make the playoffs in the Western Conference. You have a team in Portland who has locked up their division but can't go any worse than a four seed, but teams um, behind them could have home court advantage if they face them in the first round. At some point, does the NBA consider getting rid of divisions? Well, you know, I remember we had this argument, maybe it was 10 years ago, when uh, San Antonio and Dallas had these two incredible records at the top of their division, and uh, one team uh, had fallen below the top four, and that's when they started putting in, you know, division winner can be no worse than top four. Uh, but then you look at it and say, okay, well, what does that really mean? Because, you know, a team that finishes fifth, you know, would actually have home court in the series. So I'm not sure that's probably protecting more of not reseeding. I think that was what the issue was, mm-hmm. um, you know, 10 years ago, was you wanted to make sure that if you won a division, you had the benefit of not having to face, uh, you know, the number one seed until at least, you know, a couple rounds in. I think the bigger issue for me, and I'm sure, uh, you know, Pelicans fans would feel the same way if they don't end up making the postseason is should we just get rid of conferences and, you know, find uh, the top 16 teams, top 16 records and go from there? That, that's probably, you know, more provocative question. But, you know, we saw it last year at the bottom of the West where, you know, 49 wins didn't get you into the playoffs. And potentially, you know, we could have two teams under 500 make it out of the East. So that might be, uh, you know, the bigger debate coming here uh, 
you know, in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. You see teams like the Hawks and the Cavs resting guys because they have locked up their seed. Other teams like the Warriors are still playing their guys just to keep them in rhythm. Are you someone that rather have your team fully rested but potentially rusty in the first round or a team that has great momentum and rhythm heading into the playoffs with not much rest? Well, I think momentum always, for me, would win out. But in these, you know, best of seven type scenarios, you know, we've seen before where the rusty team drops the first game. And I think back to that Coles team that was ravaged by injuries the last couple of years. And I think it was Miami. They knocked off in round two uh, in game one. Miami didn't even look ready to play. And then, you know, the Heat ended up winning the series in five games. So, Sometimes it doesn't make that big of a deal. And, you know, with, you know, Greg Popovich in San Antonio and all these years of not even caring if they're the home team or not, um, you know, although you could argue it helped them to have game seven at home in the first round last year to set off their championship run. Um, You know, I would much rather have the team that's in rhythm, but I've seen too many times where you just kind of snap into it after losing that first game. You know, the good teams are good teams are going to win in those best of sevens in most cases. Absolutely. You mentioned the Spurs. They always seem to kick it up a notch at this time of the season. They're the hottest team right now in the NBA. The Pelicans will get a crack at them tomorrow night for a chance at the playoffs. Besides the Warriors, are the Spurs the team to beat in the Western Conference right now? Yeah, have to be. I've asked most of our analysts the last couple of weeks. I think I asked Tim Legler uh, two weeks ago because we felt San Antonio coming out, and he said, nope, Golden State's still the team to beat. Uh, I asked P.J. Carlosimo just a couple nights ago when we had uh, the NBA broadcast, and he was still sticking with Golden State as the team to beat. But both those guys and you know all of us who've watched uh, the NBA the last uh, decade and a half never count out the Spurs, and we're finding out why now. And um, you know nobody would be shocked if those two teams uh, met for the conference uh, championship in a month or so. Absolutely. We're talking with Mark Hestershire from ESPN Radio. Mark, it's hard to tell what the Thunder might have done without Westbrook yesterday because the Blazers are resting a lot of their guys or some of them were hurt. But did the NBA make the right move in rescinding Westbrook's technical? Well, that's a really tough call. Um, Can I put you on the spot I guess there? <laughs> I, I guess I would have to side with them only because, you know, that's their job. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's not too many. There's a lot of things they have to do, right. but that's you know, one of the things that they look at on a nightly basis, what, you know, constitutes uh, the technical and what doesn't. I was not surprised. I thought it could go either way. It's a tough call. It's one of those where I'm glad it's not my job. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a changing, you know, that, that completely changed the face of what, uh, you know, Pelicans fans and the Pelicans themselves are up against here in the last 48 to 72 hours was, you know, that could be that could have been the clincher right there right uh, if they don't have Westbrook you know Oklahoma City loses everything else is moot so that is a tough call I'm glad I don't have to make it and um, but I, I could straddle the fence on that one and, and say I could understand both sides of that argument absolutely it was a tough decision for sure Mark with two days left to go who do you have winning the MVP award and why it's just it's, it's, it's such a huge rate I know I'll give you a lot of tough questions here back to back but uh I mean, it, I can't get a grasp. I hear a lot of people say James Harden. I hear Steph Curry. Even hear LeBron James. You hear Russell Westbrook. I mean, who who do you have going if you ha- if you have someone? It's funny because I laugh because of my timeline. I think back to all the times I've been asked over the last two months, and I was really on the Russell Westbrook uh, train for about six weeks. I just thought what he was doing for Oklahoma City is exactly what Kevin Durant did last year. Uh, the only difference being 
that, you know, Oklahoma City may not even make the postseason this year. So in the last uh, three weeks or so, I've taken them off the list, and then I took a hard look. Is it Steph Curry, best guy on the best team? Is it James Harden, who was on a team with incredible injury? Is it LeBron James, as you point out, who's the best? I think if we say who's the best player in the NBA, who's the best basketball player in the world, we're always going to say LeBron James. Mm -hmm. So he's going to get the Michael Jordan treatment and not get it. So then it's down to Harden or Curry. Um, and that's that's right now where I struggle. I think uh, the more I've seen Curry, and then when I think back to a couple of years ago and how much better he is now, um, I think Steph Curry, it's, it's an amazing story. I think he's the most valuable player. Kind of like you didn't want to make the decision for uh, Russell, Russell Westbrook's technical. I don't want to make a decision on the MVP. Just too hard to decide <laughs> this year. Also, Anthony Davis. That's right, and, and, the, and the MVP might be a little more or less confrontational. If the Pelicans don't make the playoffs, we're going we're gonna to remember that rescinded technical almost as much as uh, if the Pelicans, in a flat-footed tie, make the playoffs, that Anthony Davis three on the catch-and-shoot back in February. Yeah, absolutely, very true. Uh, speaking of Anthony Davis, he's been in the MVP conversation this year, has had some uh, injuries that have hindered that. Give me an outsider's perspective on what you have seen from AD this year. Oh, just the, the growth. I mean, we saw it last year when he finally made it as an all-star. And, um, you know, we're fortunate we uh, we get a lot of great access at all-star time. And that's our time to really look and see how have you grown in the last 12 months. And, and last year, I noticed just from a physical standpoint, I mean, he had really filled out. He looked like he's not much of a pushover. Then it was really, will the game slow down for him? And it appears, you know, it is doing that. He's also becoming more of a leader. Um, you know, I think the future is so bright in New Orleans. And, you know, if they can get into the postseason and if they're, you know, the quote-unquote sacrificial lamb for Golden State in the first round, it doesn't matter. Either way, to me, uh, looking at the progression of the team, it's been a bonus. And the progression of Anthony Davis, he, to me, has lived up to and exceeded even where I thought he'd be at this point. Just a, just a monster of a player who's only going to get better. And I think he's only 22, which is uh, scary at the same time. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to watch him and uh, can't wait for others to be able to watch him hopefully in the playoffs this season. That's Mark Kestisher from ESPN Radio talking hoops with us on today's Black and Blue Report. ESPN Radio will be here to cover Spurs and Pelicans tomorrow. Kevin Calabro and PJ Carlismo on the call and be sure to look out for Mark on ESPN Radio all the time. Mark, I really appreciate it and enjoy these last two days and hopefully we have you on again right before the playoffs. I would love to do it, and uh, these last two days, and specifically Wednesday, are going to be a lot of fun, and then guess what? We get to enjoy the, uh, the postseason, so looking forward to it. Absolutely, me too. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to football as Rich Chandler from CSN Washington will preview the Redskins draft. The future is now for the New Orleans Pelicans as all-star Anthony Davis has become one of the elite players in the NBA. 2015-16 season tickets are now on sale, so make sure to get your seats now and receive special gifts as part of our parade of prizes. Season ticket holders receive great benefits, including access to exclusive team events, plus savings on concessions and merchandise. Be part of the best fan experience in the NBA by calling 525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. 
Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. The NFL Draft is getting closer and closer, and we continue our draft preview leading up to the Saints pick at 13. And joining me now to talk about the Redskins, who have the fifth pick in the draft, is Rich Tandler from CSN Washington. Rich, thanks for coming on today. Hey, sure thing. Rich, this must be a different feeling for you because for the first time since 2012, the Redskins have a first-round pick. Yeah, and, and obviously in 2012, everybody knew who it was going to be uh, well before the draft started. So this is the first time since 2011 there's a little bit of a little bit of suspense added to the picture. Absolutely. There's a lot of different ways the Redskins can go with pick number five. I'm not one to rely heavily on mock drafts, but some have the Redskins getting an offensive lineman. Some have them going for a linebacker or defensive end. Which direction do you think the Redskins might go with the fifth pick? I, I don't see them going offensive line simply because they're they're set at left tackle when, with uh, with Trent Williams, and I don't think any other uh, offensive line position really warrants the, the fifth pick. You know, has enough value for that selection. So I, I think they're going to go in one of two directions. I think you know there are, are the uh, the big I guess they're the big four edge rushers. With uh, Randy Gregory, despite the, the red flags that that, uh, that we just found out about a couple of weeks ago, uh, Shane Ray, uh, Dante Fowler Jr., and Vic Beasley. I, I think if you the the odds are pretty good that uh, you know a defense that was 32nd last year in touchdown passes allowed and 32nd in opposing passer rating by by a large margin. They were the worst, you know, by by many measures the worst pass defense in the league. Uh, the best way to help that out could be uh, pass uh, with a pass rush from one of those uh, one of those young young studs there. Some teams might move it up with the chance of drafting Marcus Mariota if he is available at number five. Do you see the Redskins possibly trading that pick to move back a little bit if someone wants that fifth pick just to get Mariota? I tell you what, there there has been a, a ton of talk about that. Um, about the Redskins training back, whether it's Mariota or whether it's, it's if, if Mariota's gone, which, which my opinion, I think he will be. I think he goes number two to the Titans or some team that made a trade with the Titans. But uh, the, the two receivers, Kevin White and Amari Cooper, one team could, could covet, that, uh, covet one, one or both of them enough to want to make a deal back. And one of them almost if, – if one of the quarterbacks goes early – one of them will almost certainly be available there at pick number five. And, and I, we know Scott McLuhan in, in, uh, in Ashburn is going to be answering the phone because he's been, you know, word is he would like to get more selections. Absolutely. The Redskins have one pick in every round, one through seven. And, of course, you're always going to hear reports or speculation that the Redskins might go after a QB in the draft. Any chance the Redskins use that pick to either trade for QB or Maybe move up to draft Mariota, or even draft him if he falls in their lap at number five. Yeah, I don't. I don't see the the first two scenarios. I don't see if you're talking about trading for a veteran quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know, supposedly Philip Rivers is on the market, right? But I think you know they would rather go with somebody go with somebody younger um, than that and start start with their own guy. Um, you know, trading up. Hey, they did that a few years ago hasn't worked out real great. I just I don't see them, you know, put, putting in the resources to move up from Mariota. 
he falls in their lap, I, I, I don't think they'll be inclined to because they, they've had their, you know, well-documented struggles with, uh, you know, with, with Robert Griffin III. You know, I mean, you know, that, that opener in New Orleans in 2012 was less than three years ago, but in a lot of ways it seems like it's 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, as far as his, you know, when, when his, his, as far as, uh, you know, the, the quarterback struggles go. So, you know, I, I think they'll think about it, but, you know, you know it's another spread type, you know, offense quarterback would have a lot of the same challenges getting fitting him into, you know, pretty much any any kind of NFL offense, you know, let alone the uh, let alone the Redskins West Coast style. So, I, I think they'd think about it, but I think they would much rather rather trade the pick of Mark if uh, if Mariota's on the board. Fair enough. You mentioned the the Redskins might go with uh, someone on defense as far as the first uh, pick. Uh, their first-round pick in the draft. Rich, with the other six picks the Redskins have in the draft, what positional needs will they try to fill with those? Position on the team, with the exception of punter. They did find Cressway last year, and as a rookie, he was an excellent punter. There's not a position besides punter where you could not justify spending a draft pick, either in terms of, of a current need or you know a, a future need with it with a contract expiring next year or an aging player or something along those lines. So, but I think you're going to see him grab a couple of offensive linemen. I think that's that's a popular a popular choice for a second round pick would be a, a, a you know a, a, a right tackle. They've been kind of struggling there. Um, you know maybe a guard, maybe Lakin Tomlinson out of Duke, somebody like that. But, uh, you know, they could go inside linebacker. They could go with uh, you know, safety. They, they, they definitely need a safety. They have uh, at free safety. They got Deshaun Goldston on what, what looks like pretty much a one-year rental, and they're going to have to find somebody in the draft as a long-term solution there. So, you know, we could pretty much go position by, you know, running back. They lost Roy Hillard Jr. They could want a, a third-down running back uh, and, a, and somebody to provide relief for, uh, for Alfred Morris who has only one year left on his contract. So, you know, you got to kind of do some succession planning there if he chooses not to, not to stay around. So, you know, you can look, look all over the board. If a Saints fan is sitting there, and what are they, about eight picks behind the Redskins in, on, in most rounds, trying to figure out who they're going to take, you know, you can pretty much draw a position out of a hat because they, they could take just about anybody anywhere. All right, good stuff. That's Rich Tandler from CSN Washington previewing the Redskins draft at pick number five. Tomorrow the Jets are on the clock with pick number six. Rich, thank you so much for your help and enjoy the draft. Okay, sure thing. Yep, when we come back, I'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit in a blender because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to firm up for summer or last longer in the gym, make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. If you're looking to purify your diet, hurry in and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today.
Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Good stuff today. A big thanks to Jim Eikenhoff from Marquette and Rich Tandler for helping us out today. Tomorrow's show will originate from our Smoothie King Center studios where the Pelicans will look to clinch a playoff berth for the first time since the 2010-11 season. I hope to see everyone at the arena cheering very loud and very hard for the Pelicans in one of their biggest games in franchise history. Tickets are still available by calling 504-525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com. Again, the Spurs fighting for a seed tomorrow. Pelicans fighting for a playoff berth. It should be very exciting, and we hope to see all of you at the Smoothie King Center. We are efforting to get someone from ESPN Radio on tomorrow's show to preview the game since they will be here to call the game. Kevin Calabro and P.J. Carlissimo are on the call tomorrow. For ESPN Radio, we'll also continue our NFL Draft Series with Brian Costello, who covers New York Jets for the New York Post. And we can't forget about a Wesley Wednesday. David will help us preview tomorrow's huge game and plenty more. So again, we hope you can join us tomorrow on the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Stay dry on this Tuesday if you're in the Crescent City and the Gulf South, and I can't thank you enough for listening to today's show. Sean Kelly will be back in the hosting chair tomorrow. And until then, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.